0: I just came from a, the band of brothers, and some of your husband's wives are there, and we are finding out that when we surrender, oh, the peace and joy that comes to our soul. I, I shared about my old life with these men, about 400 men, and I got to share about when I surrendered my life to God, oh, the difference it made in my life. And Some of the men said, well, I can see the peace of God in you because of your surrendering. And they have have surrendered many things. Hopefully, they're going to come back even better than when they left. And you know what some of the things they said? Would you like to hear about it? Well, they told us what happens there stays there. So I'm sorry, I cannot tell you. (laughs) We've seen probably over a hundred lives changed, their lives given to Jesus Christ, these grown men, businessmen, some of the wealthiest businessmen around South Florida, as well as some of the poorest men, giving their lives to Christ when they surrender. See, we got to be a part of what God is doing greater than ourselves but what he's doing in a community. And we've just started a series called Awaken. We're joining about 200 churches in making an impact, being agents of transformation in our community together. And I had the privilege of being a part of God doing something bigger than what I could do just individually. And, and God may be calling us collectively to do something Better than we can do alone by joining other churches, making a great impact in the city of Broward County. We started last week with the subject of rhythm, being in rhythm with God. You can't be in rhythm with God unless you've given Him your life, unless unless you've surrendered your life to Him. And we talked about that last week. This week, after you're in rhythm with God and you've given Him your heart, we're going to talk about the power, experiencing the power of God. Don't you kind of get a little upset when you pull out your cell phone and you're talking to someone and guess what? You lose power. You get aggravated. You want to slam that phone down. The other person, and they don't know what you're up to, whether you disconnected on purpose because you didn't like what they were saying especially if you're talking to your spouse. We've all experienced the lack of power, haven't we? Uh, I recall one time in the 70s when I used to ride motorcycles all the time, and I got 13 tickets in one year and ended up in jail with all those tickets. But I remember one time, and I I couldn't get any power to the engine. And I, I pushed that thing for a mile and two miles in the hot sun in Arkansas sat down on the side of road fatigued. I level with the tank of gas and realized something. I should have turned the gas button on to on. It was off. The power was there all the time to start the engine and get me going down the road. Those are some stupid things you and me have done in our lives that we don't want to tell anybody else, but I just told you. I like muscle cars, don't you? I like to experience the power. I I used to have a Challenger back in the 70s. There was nothing to us back then. You guys really think you have something back here in the 2000s, 10, 20s, because you got a muscle car. We had muscle cars back then, and they were heavy-duty cars. But I got a little Mini Coupe. Now, my wife called it a Bozo the Clown car when I first got it. But she drives that Bozo the Clown car all the time and is proud of it. (laughs) But I love getting to a light. See, people think it's just a little car. They don't know how much power it has in it. Because I have the sport edition. And I see these cars pull up to me and, and, and in me just that adrenaline's going. Let me put the pedal to the metal. You you ever have that feeling? Anybody ever have that feeling? Raise your hand. Come on. Well, the rest of you are lying. I put that, that light takes up. Boom! I can, you, 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 how many have seen the uh, Italian job? Raise your hand. You say, okay. You know, that's where the mini-coops became popular. And man, I love to put the pedal to that metal. And as uh, soon as I get to 45, I promise you, I slow down real quick. <laughs> Obey the speed limit. I love that power. As I kind of transition into the Bible, I, I think about, the power that I've read about I'm so impressed with the movie Moses and when all the Israelites got to experience the power when their backs were against the wall and they had nowhere to go it was a dead end and here comes the enemy how many of you have experienced that before in your lives you're at a dead end you have nowhere to turn it seems absolutely utterly impossible for God to make a way out for you. What did he do to the Israelites? Moses waved that wand and the Red Sea parted and piled up high, two giant walls. And the ground became hard and they walked to the other side away from their enemies. And Just when it seemed like their enemies were getting an advantage, the walls came tumbling down, the water came And wiped all their enemies out. They experienced the power of God. As I shared my testimony this weekend, I experienced the power of God in a different way. And I kind of want us to kind of transition our thinking about power from the supernatural miracles that we all would love to experience to probably what God wants to do on a regular basis. And that is the power of transforming lives. Many of you have experienced that power. I have experienced that power and I shared that with these men. My family all knows about that transforming power. I told them when I was 20 years old, They in jail. They said, don't come back here either. You'll kill someone or someone will kill you. I hated everybody. If you looked at me cross-eyed, I literally wanted to kill you. I thank God that I never transitioned over that line to commit murder. You see, the Bible says hate is murder. Did you know that? Lust is adultery. Some of you have come close to that edge, too. Yes, even great saints. I remember one time when someone said, asked Ruth Graham about her husband who traveled all over the world, won millions of people to God. And they asked her, have you ever thought about divorce? No, no, not never. Murder? Yes. Well, don't tell me you've never thought about that, too, so don't think I'm a strange stranger up here. Experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. So if I can help you this morning, I want God to use me this morning to help you transition from thinking about Moses and and Jesus speaking and nature obeyed him. And those who a deform rising up from the dead. And God can do that and will do that and has done that. But can I get you to think just a little bit differently? That probably you have experienced the power of God. And you can and may be experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit on a day-to-day basis. But you're not recognizing it. Which leads me to my first point this morning recognizing and identifying the Holy Spirit that has to happen in order for you to really understand that you've been operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. The first thing I think about is recognizing the role of the Holy Spirit. You've you got to recognize what he's up to in the church and in your life. In order to do that, we'll go to John chapter 16, and maybe identify in a clearer way what his job is. His job isn't to create a circus in the church. Let's find out what the Holy Spirit's role is. Now, I'm not trying to do an indoctrination on the Holy Spirit this morning, but at least draw your attention briefly to what the Holy Spirit's job is. Now, anything God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit does (laughs) is powerful. Amen? Let's read. This is Jesus. I love the 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 chapter of John. They're some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. He really gets personal with us. He tells you how much he loves you. But he tells the apostles, "Uh, now I'm going to him. Who's him? the Father, who sent me. Yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. He, he's leaving him. It's like many of us have lost a loved one or perhaps someone's going on a journey for quite a long time. Our, my wife and I, our hearts were very sad when, we, when J.W. and Megan were here with me for 13, 14 years and they, he told me they were leaving. It was like someone put a dagger in us. We had to yank it out as they went on to Houston, Texas. In the will of God, you have to be willing to let go and surrender. Or did we have to learn that the hard way? But Jesus was about to leave these apostles. And he he says, I tell you the truth. (laughs) It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, he's also called what? The counselor. The counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Here is the role of the Holy Spirit. Not limited to this, but mostly this. He's a counselor. He will convict, major role, the world of guilt. Of what? In regard to sin, righteousness, righteousness. And judgment, further explanation, in regard to sin, because men, here's the big sin, do not believe in me, nor will they surrender to me, even though they know I'm God. In regard to righteousness, because I go to the Father where you can see me no longer. In regard to judgment, because the prince of this world, who's that? Satan, now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. We continue his role. When he, the spirit of truth, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I say the Spirit will take from me what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. It is very important in order to experience the power of God. You must recognize his role that he has in the world. Secondly, you must recognize his voice. I remember when I was about to get married. My wife was a summer missionary in Devil's Den, Arkansas. It was there she heard the voice. She, she told me she's hardly ever heard the voice of God with clarity a couple times in her life. Some of you can relate to that. Where God literally told her, you are to marry Ron Bramus. She said, if God didn't tell her that, she would have divorced me a long time ago. And no kidding aside, she believed that helped sustain her during the tough times of our marital relationship. By the way, we'll be married January 40 years. God has helped sustain us in our relationship. Anybody that stands up here or shares with you they've never had any marital problems Guess what? They're a liar. She recognized what we believe was the voice of the Holy Spirit. She told me, we get married in six months or we're breaking up. So not only did she tell me that God told her to marry me, she literally said, we're getting married in six months or we're divorcing. I mean, we're not getting married. John 10 tells us in the spiritual realm that we can know the voice of Jesus or the Holy Spirit. He said when he has brought out his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, They will run from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. By the way, in the last two years, we, I'm not going to get political or get on the COVID. My wife's singing, hallelujah. (laughs) But you can know the voice of a lie and know the voice of the truth. I'll end with that. The voice has to be learned. We must learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because when you were lost and never knew God, now you know God and now you're trying to kind of get on the same frequency, if you will. There was a character in the Bible that had to learn that as a young man. His name was Samuel. You may or may not know the story. Parents can have a child. God finally gave him a child. They said, God, if you'll give me the child, I'll give the child back to you. They did. He lived his whole life in the temple under the priest Eli, whose sons did not follow God. So God needed to give Eli someone that would take over his ministry. And he was not acquainted with the voice of God. And he was laying in bed at night. And here's how it reads in the Bible. In 1 Samuel 3, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare; there were not many visions. See, it, you got to remember, miracles are not happening on a continual basis. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel answered, Here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I, here I am. You, you called me? Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So we went back and laid down. Again the Lord called. Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You, you called me? My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had been re- the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Hmm. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. And so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. I believe many of us do not know the voice of the Holy Spirit. And we don't know what he's telling us. I am so grateful that many people in my life have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. As a result, they obeyed God, and it tremendously impacted my life by what they said, by what they did. And it transitioned me in my journey with God, recognizing the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you do, you will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's not necessarily a power you were looking for. Examples. When I first became a believer, the Holy Spirit laid on a family's door after I prayed, God, would you give me a home? I knocked on this family's door two days later, and the Holy Spirit led them to say to me, come and live with us. Had he not listened, had they not listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, I would not have continued on my journey with God in a productive way. That's the power of God. I experienced the power of God by my first prayer being answered. They experienced the power of God by being obedient to God. And they are now still in heaven experiencing the dividends by being obedient to God because everything that God has done in my life, they also get credit for being obedient to God. You see, we need to quit looking for the glory and the power of God in Him, parting nature. The seas, raising the dead, but hearing his voice, hearing his voice pointing us in the right direction. Something else that needs to take place in order to experience the power of God that you need to recognize the Holy Spirit's activity. I won't labor this point long, but too often people limit. The activity of the Holy Spirit There's some of the crazy things that happen in worship services. I never experienced that reading about where Jesus went. But let's think about this for a moment. When you're born again, the power of God is at work in you. Okay. Yes, in you. Well. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us, don't you know that you yourselves are, yes, God's temple? Yes. You think of temples out there. He's telling you this is the temple of God and that God's spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God would destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are, are that temple. So you must realize this is the temple of God where the Spirit of God lives. Then in First Corinthians, we're reminded that he will give you some direction individually and collectively, it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Don't you realize that all of you together, this is why we're doing the Awaken series, that we think in terms of more than the individual but the church at large, that all of you here at Victory Life Church are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. Read all about their roles in Scripture, and then you're flabbergasted that that kind of glory and power resides in you. Now, throughout the book of Acts, we read how the Holy Spirit leads the apostles individually, and then leads them collectively. Again, I want to focus in on the word individually and collectively because that's what we're a part of right now. Joining other churches. Wanting to become agents of transformation in the city of Fort Lauderdale Plantation. Individually. Here's how the Holy Spirit begins the work. In Peter. The first sermon ever preached after Jesus rose from the dead. Peter What filled with the Holy Spirit, then preaches to the very people that consented to the death of Jesus Christ, the murderers. He didn't soft pedal the gospel to please everyone there. He shot straight to their hearts. Here's what he said. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called on account today for an act of kindness show to a cripple and are asking how he was healed, see, after all this happened, he preaches the first sermon, and then actually God does a miracle to authenticate their message, and they were brought before religious leaders to give an account for that miracle, and this is what's taking place. Know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Okay, the point here, this is how God wants to work in you and me individually. We need to start focusing on not the minors, but the majors of what God wants to do in your life. And that is be an agent of transformation in the lives of other people. Not just praying for miracles of healing and open up the eyes of the blind. Yes, he may still do that. But let's zero in on something that we're forgetting about. That power that resides in us to be an agent of transformation in the lives of other people individually and collectively. Let's look at Acts 2. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, don't go off in left field here right now. Yes, there is a private prayer language between you and God, but here it is specifically saying, it interprets it. It interprets it in Acts chapter 2. It was a language. They all heard in their own language in Acts chapter 2, or they were speaking in other language so God could bring them together, and then they would preach the gospel so that people would be saved. The power at work? conviction. Conviction in the hearts of the listeners. The power at work. Peter, full, filled. The apostles, full, filled with the Holy Spirit. Can, can I get you to start thinking in that manner about the power of the Holy Spirit instead of the entertainment stuff? One final word about recognizing the... And identifying the Holy Spirit I do believe personally that we need to recognize that sin grieves the Holy Spirit that means it can block the or or get on the wrong frequency of hearing what God may be telling you right now what to do individually You see, sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me take you to that passage in Ephesians that reminds us of that. In Ephesians 4, in verse 29, it teaches us some of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. But only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may be benefited to those who listen. And do not grieve. Can you grieve your parents? Yes. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's telling you now how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, And every other form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. So the Bible makes it clear that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you tune out his voice when he's giving you directions in life teenagers here how many teenagers do we have here raise your hand teenagers we got some here you're not a teenager put your hand out back there <laughs> your parents tell you to do something go clean your room your parents tell you don't sneak out late at nights you don't listen to them then they tell you don't date someone because they know better they know the character of that person that you're dating. And so they begin to tell you throughout the course of your childhood, boyhood, teenage years, what to do and not to do. If you're a rebellious teenager, you will not listen to your parents. And, but when they try to tell you to do something that would be so helpful in your lives, you have so tuned them out that you will miss out on the things they want to tell you that will bless you in your life. We can do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's telling you me to do something. Don't date this person because they're lost, but you're going to be a missionary, and you're going to do missionary dating. You know better than the Lord, so you don't listen to him. He tells you to go to a certain church and you don't listen to him, to move to a certain neighborhood, to take a certain job because you've been praying for these things, but you don't listen to him. He tells you to give and you don't listen to him. He tells you to quit sinning on a particular thing that you have a problem with. We heard a lot about that at the men's gathering. There is a lot of wounds out there, and there's a lot of wounds in here. But he's telling you to surrender it. We just sang that a while ago. I love that song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold or houses or land or riches untold. Do you really believe that? I told you, I keep believing that there may be a day that whatever I have, God asks me to surrender all of it to him. What if, I told you, with a little bit of money that I have, God knows in a half a year from now, Wall Street's going to go bankrupt. And he tells me now, I want you to give this to some of the people in this country so that you can um, build a well and they can drink and they can be fed And they can drink, and that village will survive because of what you did. What happens if he asks me to do that now, knowing a year from now what's going to happen in our world? But I'm disobedient to him. You see, you can become like that rebellious teenager, and everything God tells you to do, you can say, no. He tells you to witness to your neighbor, but you don't do it. He tells you to ask for forgiveness. And apologize to your husband or to your wife but you won't do that he tells you teenager to go to mom and dad and say I'm sorry for not listening but you don't do that he asks you to get up in the morning and read the Bible just like you eat food you need it to nourish the body but you won't nourish your soul and so you you don't do it but you'll play those video games for hours Or you watch the TV for hours. Or your greatest sporting event for hours. See, what I'm trying to say is this. When we're not obedient to what the Holy Spirit asks us to do, now we may miss out on what he really wants to do and experience the power of God. I have experienced the glory and the power of God. Have you? You see... People ask me, how in the world can you give your life to someone that died 2,000 years ago? That's a 2,000-year-old story. I said, I want you to remember something. These men that were fishermen, rugged fishermen, rugged men that owned businesses... When Jesus rose from the dead, they saw him along with 500 people. And those people dispatched, testified to this fact, and millions upon millions upon millions of people's lives have been transformed. So I start there and tell them this. I once was lost in sin. It captivated me. I had no power to quit sinning. Can you relate? No power at all. I was a rebellious child. I rebelled against everything. And I lived in sin like most of us here. But when I fell on my knees and I said literally, I literally said, I didn't know how to say all the right words. I surrender. I experience the power and the glory and the majesty and the transforming power of God, almost instantly, my life took a drastic direction in the army. They tell you this, about face, my life went in the opposite direction. There's no drug. There was no psychiatrist. There was Nobody that could take and transfer my life like Jesus. And he made himself known right away in my life to prove that he lives. I can't understand when people Mickey Mouse around with me, well, I asked Jesus in my life, and, and there's no difference at all. Nothing at all. They don't read the Word. They don't want to be around believers They don't want to give anything. They don't want to talk about the greatest person in the world, but they'll talk about the greatest football player and quarterback. Their greatest video game, but they don't want to talk. I started talking about Jesus right off the get-go. I didn't even know him when I was talking about him. I was one of his best advocates. Anybody that would listen. I told you, I went to my first job. I literally put people up against the wall. You need Jesus right now. You know, I went to some homes and, and I shared Jesus with people. They said yes just to get me out of their home. I knew they needed him because I needed him and I knew that they needed him more than I needed him. But they didn't know that. I experienced the power of God. I'm not lying to you. There was no light. There were no angels around me. There was no band playing. I didn't walk into a building, into a church. There was nothing around. But I got up from that place and I started telling the truth. I immediately recognized that. I was a habitual liar and now I'm telling the truth because I was a door-to-door salesman and I would lie to put my foot in the door and get in there and sell my product to them. I would meet someone and I literally moved in with them within five minutes. That's how good of a salesman I was. Now I told the truth. My foul mouth left me immediately. I experienced the power of God. I experienced the power of prayer immediately within two days. My prayer got answered give me a home. And that family took me in their home. I quit drugs immediately. I quit getting drunk immediately. I I I don't understand some of you folks, slow timers here, why it takes you so long to experience the transforming power of God because there was no Holy Spirit living in me. And God said, I will give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when I bowed down and surrendered, Boom, I was born into the kingdom of God. Boom, the Holy Spirit came and lived in me. Boom, he took control of me, and I didn't even know it. That's what he'll do when he really transforms your life. You cannot and will not remain the same. Hmm. Sin can keep you from hearing the voice of God and recognizing the activity of God. Here's something else, though. Number two, or when run with his assignment, and then you'll be in alignment. I kind of had a little rhythm. You could almost make a rap out of it. You know, run with his assignment, then you'll be in alignment. <laughs> you see, the Holy Spirit is in the assignment. You're looking for him imparting the Red Sea. You're looking for him in raising the dead when he said, go and do what I ask you to do. Philip, in this case, Philip, Acts chapter 8, Philip was busy serving God, had a great ministry, and God separates him from that ministry to go somewhere to speak to one individual. Let's pick up there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, who was busy evangelizing, doing miracles, to go speak to one person. Go to the chariot and stay near it. And by the way, he didn't tell him about the whole assignment. It was step number one. God's not always going to reveal the whole assignment to you. If you will not be obedient at the beginning, you will not experience the glory of God in the ending. Immediately, Philip obeyed his assignment, that's where you'll experience the power of God. Do you remember the centurion? You remember Jesus came to the Jews first, but the centurion who was in charge of many soldiers had a servant that was ill. He sent messengers to Jesus. Oh, by the way, we can learn from this because he did not literally see Jesus, and Jesus did not literally come to his home, but he sent servants with a request to Jesus, and he marveled at the centurion's faith when he said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my home. He said, I'm a big chief. I tell somebody to do something, they do what I tell them. I tell them to go there, they go there. I don't need you to come in my home. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed, and Jesus marveled out loud to all those around him, and he said... I haven't found this kind of faith in Israel. And, he, oh, and Jesus said, go tell him his servant will live. And the centurion went home. He obeyed God. Do you see where the power's at again? It, is it possible you and me are looking for the power in all the wrong places? You, you always come in the church, not you guys. But many people go to church, man, I, 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 I turned on some videos I didn't show them because Jacob and me got talking about it and said, Dad, please don't show that. And I, I actually listen to my son once in a while. <laughs> These people were, wow, they were freaking out. I was freaking out looking at them. <laughs> my, how the Holy Spirit's at work. What? you got to be kidding. Reminding me of a circus. of God perhaps may not be in what you've been thinking he is in or going to be in. I want to share something I think that may be helpful also with you about delayed obedience. Remember I told you the power is in the assignment. remember the assignment and then you'll be in alignments and then you'll experience the power of God. I believe that many today have not They've not obeyed God. We talked about that. God has asked you to do something and and you've not been obedient to it. I, I know that some people that have, God told them to surrender their entire lives, teenagers, to Him. And He doesn't want you to be a businessman or a businesswoman. And He's saying, Give your life to me because I want to use you. And you've not obeyed God. There are people like that. God's asked you to surrender your business to him, and he's the pilot, and you're the co-pilot, but you keep trying to be the pilot. He's asked you to surrender that business to him. And therefore, you've not experienced the power of God. But I want to tell you something. There's still hope. I called it delayed obedience. There is a parable that encourages you and me about delayed obedience. So if you can think for a moment before I read it, Is there anything that God has asked you to do, but you've delayed being obedient? It kind of reminds me of grandchildren or children, you've asked them to do something. Children, you understand that. Teenagers, you understand that. Mom and dad's asked you to do something, and you, oh, right away, mom and dad, I'll do it. An hour later, didn't I ask you to clean your room? Next day, didn't I ask you to clean? Delayed obedience. But later on, you went and did what you were supposed to do. There is a passage in the Bible that talks about that. Here it is in Matthew chapter 21 about delayed obedience. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for you. If you've not done what God's asked you to do, there is a chance that he'll restore you. If you will be obedient to what he's asked you to do, and you may once again experience the power of the Holy Spirit active in your life. Here it is. But what do you think about this? It's a parable. A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. Like some of us rebellious teenagers, you rebellious teenagers. I'm not calling you all rebellious, but you understand what I'm talking about, right? You, you, you haven't perfectly obeyed mom and daddy. Amen. I haven't heard any of the young kids shout out, Amen. The son said, No, I won't go. We used to have a, a mirror in our house in Michigan. And our moms and dads would tell us to do something, and we would stomp. Oh, and there was a mirror. I saw you stick your tongue out at me. How in the world did they know that? Duh, there's a mirror right in the middle of the hallway. They saw it. But later, he changed his mind and went away. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the the two obeyed the father? They replied, the apostles or those listening in, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. It's not too late. It's not too late to be obedient to whatever God's asking you to do. It could be, dare I say, living with someone. And God says, okay, I'm not here to condemn you. That's the truth. I'm not here to chastise you. I'm here to set you free. Okay, God, you're asking me to do something. I will do it. I will now get married. That would be a, an example. Or I will be obedient to my mom and dad. You have a chance. I call it delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. Two, receive the assignment from God and then be in alignment so that you can experience the power of God in your life on a regular basis. Finally, we end with, remember, the power follows his, 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 his plans, not your plans, his plans. If the Spirit has planned the moment, he will empower the moment. Did you hear that? If the spirit of the living God does the planning, he will empower the moments. Here it is, picking up with this action in Acts chapter 8 and Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's finish the story. Then Philip ran to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me? So we invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture in Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 53. We call it the gospel in the Old Testament. My son wrote a song about this called Surely This Is, from Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shear is silent... 700-something years before it ever happened. Those Bible-thumping, rejecting idiots, tell them, 700 years before it ever took place, God told us exactly what was going to happen with the son when he sent him to the planet Earth. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? Meaning he was put to death. For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's what happened. Here's the power of God. Again, please don't overlook the power of God. Quit looking for him in all the carnal places, so to speak. Or don't conjure up how he's supposed to work in the church and in your life. Start thinking of what really blesses and impresses Jesus. To transformation of lives. He came to seek and to save the lost. Aren't you glad he kept on mission or you wouldn't be sitting here this morning? You would be dead in your sins, you would be judged, and you'd be on the highway to hell if Jesus hadn't stayed committed to his mission. He said, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, you see, he didn't have to be forced to be baptized. These people, I got saved, but I don't know if I should. I'm not not talking about those who have to work through what Jesus really said to do. I'm talking about the rebels. I got saved but i don't want to get baptized something wrong with that the transformation power of jesus causes you to want to be obedient to what he's asking you to do he said he said look there's water why shouldn't i be baptized and he gave the orders to stop the chariot then both philip and the eunuch went down into the water and philip baptized him And when they came out of the water, another miracle, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, didn't brush off his hands. Let me go out to a ball game. I did my work for the day. He said, however, he appeared in Azotus and traveled about still preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. We sang about this a while ago look at what the holy spirit did to philip's availability didn't we sing about that a while ago will you make yourself available to do whatever the holy spirit is directing you to do but i promise you unless you confess your sins you will be grieving the holy spirit and probably you're going to miss out on what he's asked you to do you can get right with god at this very moment What's so wonderful about the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and the mercy of God, that he will forgive you right now. God, I'm sorry. Like we showed you a week ago with Mary Magdalene when she came back and went back into the world and she came back to Jesus and said, I'm sorry. And Jesus just embraced her immediately you can be right with God and start listening to the voice of God and experience the power of God so you can be on mission for God. Look what he did to the Ethiopian eunuch. One man, but he was an important man that went back to Ethiopia and began to share the gospel in Ethiopia. All because Philip was obedient to them one assignment that was given him that the casual person would think oh what's the big deal and then look at what the holy spirit did to peter and paul there's so many things i could share at this time but the main thrust of everything that's being said this morning is i think often we want the spectacular you remember herod When Jesus was before him and on trial, he said, do some miracle for me, will you, Jesus? When you watch television, in order to have good ratings, a lot of these teachers and preachers have to, they have to thrill the audience or they won't stay tuned to their show. And so we sometimes get the wrong perspective of what miracles are really about or the power of the Holy Spirit is really about. I'm not limiting what the Holy Spirit can do and I pray all the time when I bump into someone I'm asking God do you want to heal that person? I constantly ask that question when I bump into someone that can't do all the things that I can do whether it's mentally or physically and I immediately ask God I'm telling you almost every time I ask God do you want to glorify your name Father? so i'm not saying that god won't do that in our lives and in the life of this church but i believe first of all we have to quit grieving the holy spirit so we can hear the voice of the holy spirit recognize the assignment from the holy spirit and then be able to experience the power of god would you stand with me at this time Father, I so much want you to honor your name in this church. I don't know what to ask you, but help us, many of us here who love you, understand what it is that you want to do through us and how we can join hands with the other churches in the area, how we might be transforming agents in the city of Fort Lauderdale, Plantation, Coral Springs, and on and on. What is it that you want us to do? But remind each one of us, Father, we must repent of our sins in order to be able to recognize the Holy Spirit at work. So God, I'm sorry on behalf of this church in any way that we have grieved you as a church. We're not about entertaining people. We're not about trying to please people above pleasing you. But please forgive us where well, we have grieved you as a church. We want to listen with fresh ears and a fresh heart What is it that you want to do through this local church? In Jesus' name I pray. So today, if you're here today, you can give your life to Jesus by just doing what I did. Say, God, I surrender. I'm sorry for not believing in Jesus. I mean, believing where he's your Savior. Many people believe Jesus is real, but they don't want him to be their Savior. Because they want to live life the way they want. What is it that God's asking you to surrender this morning? Would you do that right there in your chair? Would you do that if you're looking in online? What is it that you need to surrender today so you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit once again in your life? Would you do that this morning?